Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Creative Nomad Show. It's so nice to see you. It's so nice to be seen. We're going to be playing with some really cool uh, new changes today. And if you've been around for a while, you know that this show is really about telling the stories of the people who are out there really making a difference in the world and really living their true awesome lives and helping others do the same. And I can promise you, my next guest is absolutely that person. His name is Adam Ladin. He is an intuitive empowerment uh, coach and communicator, uh, communication coach. He has just such a loving heart. And he's one of those people that when he's part of one of the masterminds I'm in, it's one of the people that has been the most supportive people I've ever known in my life. We're going to talk all about some of the things that he's been up to lately. You know, it's exciting. He just told me he's been going back and forth to Salem for Halloween. I can't wait to talk to him. So, you guys, this is Adam Lannan, and this is the Creative Nomad Show. Welcome to the Creative Nomad Show. You're going to place for all you awesome creators out there who are itching for more than the everyday grind. Here's your host, J.P. Hello, and welcome back, guys. I'm here today with Adam Lannan. Adam, thank you so much for being here today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. Awesome, awesome. So, you know, we were just talking right beforehand, and you said, like, the perfect thing, and I'm like, oh, my God, I need to talk about this. You know, I know that you're an intuitive reader. I know that you do a lot of stuff around that. But so you just told me that you've been going into Salem every day or every weekend for Halloween. What right. are you doing there? So I work at one of at the oldest witch shop in Salem in during Halloween. Um, before I went to Peru, uh, I'd worked there for about four, uh, four Halloween seasons. And what I do is I do palm readings and card readings. When I was busiest um, in previous seasons, I would occasionally do 28 to 32 15 minute readings in a given day. So I would be reading solid for hours and hours and hours. And I, I loved it. Uh, when I do Salem, I do primarily palm readings and card readings. And I, I love just working with the clients. You get people coming from all over the world to Salem because it's such a witchy, like witchy town. And so um, I really get the opportunity to meet people from all walks of life and really do amazing stuff to help support their path, help them create. Sometimes you just need to really let people know you get it and you understand what they're struggling with. And so we have amazing people that come through that, um, that shop. It's called Crowhaven Corner uh, in Salem, Massachusetts. And so just because of many factors, I actually drive up and down every day. So it's a two and a half hour drive in the morning and then a two and a half hour drive at night. So, and I work all day from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. So That's yesterday was my last last day and I, I love it, but I'm definitely ready to be home a little bit more. I, I, I totally understand. Working that kind of schedule is grueling and especially as an intuitive. Because I know that if I do two or three readings a day, I'm like, no, no, I'm, 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 I'm good. Thanks. Have a nice day. You know, <laughs> um, 
because it takes more out of you than people actually realize, I think. And I know that's true for some people, but it actually doesn't do that with me. One of my, um, one of what, what, uh, opened my gift was I got my Reiki one attunement. That's how my gift was actually opened. And so, as you know, Reiki's a, a channeling technique. And so I feel like because it's what opened me up, it's what my gifts pass through. So I'm often not drained nearly as drained as the average reader. They actually used to call me the machine up in Salem because I could literally just read and read and read and read and still be okay to like do what I needed to do afterward. Um, and it's just, it's how my gift works is I'm so, I get so excited about sitting with people and helping them find a way toward their success, toward their different things that I just, I, I don't get drained like other people do. And I'm not, it, it's just an acknowledgement. It's just an acknowledgement. My gift works differently. Um, and it may be because it got opened later in life for me. I mean, later for some people are born with it wide open. I, my gift didn't really open until I was 23. So I'm not hundred percent sure about what the factors are, but I know that I don't get drained from helping people and supporting people that way. And I'm also not a medium. I don't, I don't talk to the other side. A lot of people that do mediumship work, that's uh, crossing that boundary is so much work. And I'm actually glad that I, that gift isn't uh, strong in me. I mean, I do not to say I haven't had moments, but um, I, it's not where my gift typically goes. I really work more with trauma and love and connection. Like I love teaching people how to connect and communicate with others who they are. I love it. I love it. Uh, you know, we, we have that in common. How to communicate what it is that who you are authentically, you know, and I think that, do you find that people are challenged to really be authentic and open themselves up to other people? Well, I don't, I, I think that it's not always a choice with people. My personal belief is that some people are supposed to be involved and engaged in co-creators and other people are supposed to have their life written for them. And they're not supposed to know how to do that because that's an evolved, uh, uh, evolved skill and gift that not everyone's supposed to engage with. So, but in general, especially since the internet has become so powerful, we have so much information and noise out there. We have the information of what people are telling us. We have the information that we have access to. We don't have a lot of help and support in sorting through all of that stuff. And that's why I call it noise because some of it may be good noise. Some of it may be bad noise, but there's a whole hell of a lot of noise. And so as you know, I, I worked with someone years ago to come up with the clearest view as my, um, as my business name. And that's really what I love is helping people have clarity around their unique individual identity, really knowing what works for them, what they can do, what they can't do, what they can expect of others and what they can't expect of others. Because I think that more so anything else that has been hugely challenging is 
so many people are operating with expectations of what others can do that are inaccurate, that are just completely not accurate, whether it's too much or too little. Either way, they're both equally toxic. Yeah. Yeah, I know I, I've been dealing with, we were just talking about it, I've been dealing with that. You know, somebody that just doesn't have what they even say in them, you know. So it's it, it's been a challenge, which has been interesting. Um, what do you think that, What do you think is so empowering about creating limits? I don't think it's actually about creating limits. I think it's the opposite. I think it's actually about teaching someone how to celebrate you, how to comfort you, how to cherish you, and how to engage with you. It's more about offering people the opportunity to earn you and keep you. That that's more relevant. And just knowing that if someone can't do that, it's probably not their fault or their choice. It's just they can't do that. So it means you they can't have access to you. Gotcha. So do you feel like what I get from that is that you feel that you're a prize? You know, you uh, so many people walk around without feeling worthy. Right, and I think that they chase. They chase. It's one of my core beliefs that we chase other people and we chase experiences and chase for from our unworthiness. Right. Right. So it kind of flip your that idea kind of flips down the head. No, you need access to me. I am a I am a prize. I am, you know, somebody that um, hates that. I believe that most people that are looking to grow and heal and serve have extreme value. Okay. If you're a people pleaser, you have extreme value because you are able to step out of yourself. And so a, you're essentially a master at helping and healing others, even if they can't receive you. So rather than, so what some people do is you can't create boundaries. I don't believe in creating boundaries. I believe in redirecting your energy. Don't give this to someone unworthy of you. Give it to someone worthy of you. You know, I, I personally believe in a divine source that for convenience, I would refer to as God, but not in a, Christian Jewish sort of sense, just in a divine source kind of sense. And that's a good word that I use. Okay. I talk about all the time, no matter what tradition you look in, your divine source requires a level of gratitude and acknowledgement. And your divine source has infinite energy. Okay. So we having inherently limited energies need even more gratitude and appreciation to invest that limited energy in others. And so you're right, there is a large amount of, you need to be able to know and appreciate and celebrate your value and operate from a place of the fact that if you're a service person, if you're someone who wants to serve others, really cares about others, you automatically have an ability to 
um, to you have an area of genius. If that's your path, you have an area of genius that you can really work in and that you can really use that as a recognition of how to offer and engage with people. So you need to decide how you're going to have a healthy exchange for that. You need to teach people that because most people that serve will are not perceivable by people that don't because most people when they're in need they stop people that serve don't stop when they're in need so they need they're not giving any signals to everyone else about what would serve them they're so busy serving that there's no way for anyone to perceive know or understand what they could do in return a lot of my clients i say to them do you even ask someone to just sit for a cup of coffee with you a lot of people that serve don't want a lot they just want someone to be present with them and feel like they're able to just breathe with another human rather than having to like stretch outside themselves and search yeah and nobody knows how like we're not taught how to teach someone we're taught this idea that if you love someone you know how to show them love and to me given the fact that we've become so much more vastly dynamic that's a ridiculous concept on top of the fact that when you look around at most people do they have healthy love healthy cherishing healthy celebrating modeled for them in this world where is where's those things modeled like where are we going to learn this idea so part of my mission is to really shift people around and, and help them find different ways to love and mind you i think that this is the more of a challenge in the united states you know as you know i moved to peru to find my wife yeah how was that i mean it, it it's it's amazing to me I'm, I'm a nomad so you know moving i know that i want to travel so that's right. my my purpose right you moved because you wanted you met your wife what was it like you know to kind of go there and just like take in that culture and like kind of change um, so what I would say is that, and it was actually inspired by the mastermind that we're both a part of. One of the people there was talking about living in Colombia and working virtually in the US. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was inspired to actually make the leap and go in that direction in the hopes that I could find someone to be in a relationship with. So when I first got there, I did a few things. I got a personal trainer. I uh, signed up for uh, a paid version of Bumble over there because they have Bumble over there, which is a dating app where the woman contacts you first. And so for me, because I have, I'm I'm much more of a professionally, I'm a very vocal person. Romantically, I am not nearly as vocal. I have really nasty anxiety. So um i joined there i dated a couple of people 
but I met my wife. So I moved there August 2nd. Uh, and I met my wife September 25th and we sat. So it was literally basically seven weeks after I got there and we sat in a cafe and passed our phones back and forth. And we just shared such a level of, you know, they call it trauma bonding, but it was trauma bonding in a healthy way. We knew that because of how much we felt betrayed by other people, we would stay loyal to one another. And we acknowledged that we wanted someone to love us. And so um, it, we just spent time together and it just progressed from there. We, we, we still, like she speak, is learning better English than I am Spanish. But we still don't have like the the language thing. We still have to use translators. But the time we spend together, the activities we do, the the way that we feel about one another is amazing. You know? Love is universal. You know, it'll find a way to communicate. Right. I believe. Yeah. So that's that's kind of fascinating. Do you use so I know that these days they could, you can actually have like things in your ear that it will, will translate for you. Like, are you using that kind of technology, or are you just? No, we're just using. That's really interesting. I didn't actually know that, but um, uh, we're just using basic Google Translate most of the time, or we're you know connecting through people that we know that are bilingual. You know, because I I know a lot of people that are bilingual. I knew a lot of Peruvian people before I left for Peru. That's why I chose Peru to begin with is I know that their family values are very different and they're kinder and gentler than some of the other um, countries in South America. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, it's interesting that, and it's such a beautiful country. Well, I've seen pictures. One of the places where I've thought about driving to, you just have to get through Mexico. <laughs> yep. And as an RVer, Mexico is a mess. Um, okay. They, the the cops will pull you over, and you literally have to bribe them to let you go. Um, wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's just tools, basically. But you don't know when they're going to be, and it, you know, it, it's one thing if you can plan on that, but you don't really know where. Or when right so not by trip this time yeah this time i'm going to the west coast um so did she come back up with you or is she still yeah me more okay okay Yeah, this is my wife, Maria, who I met and came back. She came back with me. Hi, Maria. Hi. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the Korean Nomad Show. 
a Vladnichov. Hola. Hi. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, she she's an amazing human. She has her own healing gifts and abilities. And um, I didn't know that until a little bit later on. But I'm not really surprised about that. No. And so, like, having a person, especially doing the work that we do, I think if, if we're drawn in that direction, obviously we're free to whatever we choose. But if we're drawn to creating connection, having that support is really important, can be really important, really valuable. Yeah, definitely. You know, someone that understands where you're at and where you're coming from, I mean, it, it makes all the difference. Makes all the difference. Yeah. So we're coming towards the end. What is it, if you were to describe your perfect person, you know, the person that uh, tends to work the best and get the best results from you, who would that be? I would say that it's a, usually I work more with women than men. I have no problem working with men, but I typically work better with women. And I work with women, I would say between, I'd say 25, 26 years old and like into their early 40s because they have to be coming into an awareness of who they want to be. I also enjoy working with people of all ages, but someone who's really starting to realize that they've sacrificed a lot for other people, that they really, you know, that people pleaser is definitely a very strong energy that I'm very good at working with. I'm really, I call it redirection rather than creating boundaries, but helping people redirect their people pleaser in more accurate and fulfilling ways. Because it's not about, it's actually becoming a more powerful people pleaser because you're actually creating impact by the people you please rather than chasing people that can't really receive. I understand that. That's for so. Yeah. And, you know, if you were to move again, if you were to move to another country or move somewhere else, where would it be? What's in your bucket list? I mean, I don't know about move. I definitely want to visit Australia. I loved Ireland. I definitely want to go back. Um, but I eventually want to open up retreat centers um, all over the the world, not just the in the country, but all over the world. Um, so I would see myself being more nomadic um, by having different centers in different places that I work, staying at different places for different periods of time. Um, but I want to open retreat centers for families. Not we have like a lot of couples retreats. We have a lot of individuals, you know, retreats for entrepreneurs and things like that. I believe that we're not teaching families how to connect with one another. That it's now something that needs to be taught. And so I want to have all sorts of different activities for people to explore different ways of interacting physically some classes on communication from 
I know like you and so many other people and not just the one mastermind that I belong to that we're connected to, but others. And I know different holistic practitioners. I know people that do fire dancing. I know people that do hypnotherapy, that do sword play, that do um, martial arts, that do all these different things. And I want to create with people the ability to find individual ways to connect by exploring different activities. And I haven't really seen anything like that anywhere. Like it's just not done yet. So what I'm looking to do is eventually create that model for people so that they have someplace to go to be away from their home and really engage in authentic connection in different ways. You know, I, I know people as well that do um, work with pottery, glassmaking, like all sorts of different activities where people can come to one location and get exposed to a ton of different things in very short bursts. They can discover and explore more if they like it later on. Yeah. But um, I, I think that we are not giving people the opportunity to really connect yeah. in different ways. Yeah, it, it, it's with our disconnected world. I mean, half the time, even when we're in front of somebody, we're sitting on a phone. You know, and I don't actually want to minimize the value of that because there is actually extreme value in the fact that no matter who you are and what you like, even if you're feeling disconnected from the people in your physical environment, you can find ways to get support in what you like as well. But as I said, I believe it cre it can also create a lot of noise. And I think it, it takes you from the people that are there. So I I don't I don't know. I, I hear what you're saying. I don't actually agree with that. I think that if the people were there were present for you in a way that you really needed and that would really value, you would be present with them rather than seeking something else. I, you know, I, I think that what we, we often want to connect with someone else in a way they can't connect. And we blame the phone for that when it's, they wouldn't connect that way with you anyway, even if the phone wasn't there. We might disagree on that. Now, not completely, because I think that, you know, there are people that, that are in your life that really shouldn't be in your life, right? I do. I completely agree with that. I, but I also have seen, personally have seen, you know, people that are sitting next to each other that really could have a conversation and just don't because they're stuck in a phone playing a game or doing something else. So... That might be on an individual, not that I completely disagree, but I think that that's more of a, on an individual thing. Yeah, so I completely agree. And I think yeah. that that is, that is true. And that's the whole thing is we're all, we're all individuals. And so that's the challenge in creating connection is we can't always choose what our connecting points are. And we can't ask what someone we can't ask someone else to develop a new connecting point if they can't develop that connecting point. 
And that can be challenging for us because we want to believe that love creates the connecting points when it's actually whatever our authentic connecting points are. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. You know, but sometimes I believe that just a little more effective communication can change everything. Absolutely. It, it absolutely can. And that's the thing is that who is teaching effective communication? Okay. <laughs> I agree. So am I. What Sorry. I mean is where is that universally taught in our world? I, I definitely understand. It, it's not something that people, you know, necessarily have access to. And I think that we're taught communication incorrectly so often um, in the form of trying to get your point across. And it's all about you and trying to dominate rather than actually communicate and connect. And we're not taught that. You know, one of the things that I talk about a lot is people say communication is 50-50. And I say it's 2080, which is that 20% of communication is what you're presenting. But the majority of the effective part of communication is what the receiver has to go through. That we, as the presenters of information, have are, are extremely skilled if we can learn how to filter through and share information in a way that the receiver can actually receive. And it's about acknowledging as well that a receiver doesn't choose what they can receive and what they can't. It's not a choice in a lot of cases. It's literally they are able to receive it, understand it, perceive it, engage with it, or they can't. And to not immediately get mad at someone else who's not receiving you because you're assuming like we're taught we are taught in a subconscious way that if someone's not receiving you they're not listening they're choosing not to pay attention they're choosing not to listen but if you really look at it would most people choose to not have effective communication would they really choose not to listen would they really choose not to engage if it was a choice would they choose actively choose conflict and not being able to process and acknowledge and all of that stuff i don't really believe that that's the case i don't really believe that they would really choose not to be able to do it i just think that they can't and maybe that's giving people too much grace but that's where I come from, is I give people the grace of believing that, um, that if they're not hearing me, if they're not understanding me, it's not a choice. It's something where there's a disconnect in yes. me or in them. Right. It, it's that you're not being effective in how to present that in such a way that they can understand. 
And I or it may be a concept or energy they are neurologically incapable of understanding. That's not a choice. That they literally do not the the perception, the neuro, the neural pathway for that information can potentially never exist in them. Possible. It's possible. But that's how we create the neural pathways is by hearing that information and and by seeing if that creates a neural pathway in someone that it can be created it's kind of the thing yeah. you know i i think that we live most of our life unconscious anyways so it's one of the things that i talk about frequently is that we kind of fell into this default life yeah it's default you know we have default relationships we have default lives we don't really choose and here we are. Right. And then we exactly. talk about how, how we're stuck and we hate it and we hate this and we hate this. And, you know, you made those choices. And now once you can take responsibility for the choices that you made and then made, and trust me, I have my own list of choices I made that aren't great, right? From my right. diet, to my exercise, to, you know, See, conversations uh, I've been in. You know. The, the challenge with too much self-responsibility is foundationally we don't have very much choice in the beginning of our life. No. We don't have much choice in any of our circumstances and our situations. And so we have to be able to acknowledge that individually, if a higher and more and stronger developed sense of responsibility works for us, then we should absolutely do that. I don't believe in self-responsibility as a concept. I don't think that I am capable of being responsible for myself by myself. I need my community. I cannot create my life. I cannot be responsible for anything in my life without help. And so I, I have a different point of view along that, that concept. I, I think that pushing self-responsibility also creates self-shaming thoughts very frequently. It depends on how you navigate how it. I agree. Navigate it. And the issue is, is that people have people will confuse integrity and morality. They're two completely different concepts. And when you collapse them is when you have the issues with all of it when you have the self-defeating you know mantras and and again it's a it's a concept that when you master it when you first get it you're going to hate and once it's mastered it's probably the most liberating thing in my life and again that's why i say it's all individual but it's individual in such a way of how you deal with it and how you take it on. In reality, you're responsible for everything in your life. You make the choices. Oh, no. No, no. I, oh, yeah. I cannot disagree with that statement more. Because whether we like it or not, we have external things that impact us that are permanently beyond our control. 
there are external factors and external things in our life that we have no choice around. Someone hits us with a car that is not our responsibility. And taking that on as a sense of responsibility is ridiculous, in my opinion. Okay. So, so, someone hits you so with like, the, someone hits you with the car, right? So this happened. That's a, so that it happened. Now, how did you deal with it? Uh, it depends upon exactly what happened and exactly what I was capable of as a result of that. But the the thing is, is that it comes down to some things do happen. Some and and you and you put yourself in the situation too. You walked across the street. You didn't look both ways. Somehow you got hit by a car. Okay, that's not. You were in the car. You were in that street. You were there. Okay, so somehow, and when you start, you have no power if you say, "Oh, this car hit me." Your right. life has no power. You have no options around that, right? You have nothing that you can do. I was hit. I'm a victim. Okay, you were hit by a car. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they are right, that they, you know, it's all your fault you got hit by a car. I'm not, there's a difference between responsibility and fault and blame. Okay. So this but people don't know the difference between that, number one. So, and number two, it's okay that you were powerless because part of life is being powerless for people that they if you are externally motivated if you were not internally motivated if you have if you know and recognize you function in a different way and that trying to push yourself into being or doing something creates a negative spiral why would you ever learn to do that why wouldn't you find other tools and other ways that work better Again, you're responsible for finding the tools that work for you. If you want to look at it that way, or you're, you, it's not even responsible. It's you do the best when you can, where you can. And maybe you can't. And if you end up staying helpless, I'm not going to blame someone for that. Like this people talk about quote unquote victim mentality as if someone shouldn't be living in their victim. And there's a judgment and an attack on that that people are constantly using that creates shaming behavior of others. And I, I just, I, I don't judge someone who wants that higher, more developed sense of responsibility and that idea to work through responsibility that way. But on the flip side, I don't want to be, I don't, I think it's a highly offensive the way other people create that shaming value system that are self-responsibility people, that they have no compassion recognition that there are other people incapable of self-responsibility and that they should be left to be incapable of self-responsibility 
because it it's not that person's choice. So we'll disagree on that because honestly, it is their choice. And no, it's not. They don't have the perception or the awareness or the neural the neural network to be able to navigate that. They they can't perceive or see see outside of how they function. Their brain will not allow them to look outside of that direction. Okay. I'm sorry. There have been countless studies done that their neural network is not that developed, is not that able to recognize and engage with that point of view. It's not their choice. It's neurological. It's biological. It's not a decision. There are people that might have to work harder at something. No, I'm saying that they can't do it. It is it is a permanent. Not everyone has neuroplasticity. We know that. No, we don't. Everyone does have neuroplasticity. No, unless they don't have. Unless you have neuroplasticity around certain concepts and not others. You don't no. have neuro universal neuroplasticity around every single aspect of life. No, you, you really don't. Do. You do. You, there That's are certain brain. areas of the brain that don't grow and expand. We see it all the time when someone has a head trauma. When we they see that there are some people. <laughs> when you have a head trauma, when you've, I've had brain surgery. I wasn't supposed to walk. I wasn't supposed to talk. I was never supposed to go back to school. I was never supposed to be where I am. But individually, Ever. that's you. Your brain is unique okay. and is not and the same as others. It is, but it's not that unique. And I've went through, and this is me going through, I've had to go through brain classes. I've had to go through the whole thing to learn why my brain is not functioning, was not functioning the way it was supposed to. I was with people who were, who were literally in, in wheelchairs and paraplegics and the program I went through was forced my brain injury. So and even the even the people that were never supposed to walk again, the paraplegics, the the people that had spinal surgery, uh spinal cord severs, it starts moving it you can have it start moving around that. And your with brain, some and not for others. Brain, with some like, or not for others. It's not a universal, it is not a universal truth extreme, with everyone. This is with extreme brain trauma. You're, what you're talking about is someone with extreme brain trauma. Not someone that has... It's all the same. It's all the same. No, really. There, If someone has a... Not everyone has the capacity to separate and engage with all those different things. They just don't. I, I really, I, I, you're, I, I, you know, I have so much respect for you, but you're not going to convince me otherwise, based on all the research and everything that I've seen, that everyone is capable of everything. I believe people are certain people are capable of certain things and other people are permanently incapable of other things. 
And that if you're treating people like they are capable when they are not, you're doing tremendous damage to them. You are creating so much damage in not recognizing people may be forced to be how they are. It's not like you're saying to someone who wants to create something, who is in deep desire, you can't do this. It's saying to someone who knows themselves, it's acknowledging they know their limits. It's respecting and acknowledging someone's acknowledged inability. It's like saying to someone who's blind, you're blind, you can't see. I respect the fact that you're blind and you can't see. I got that. But what you're... So, I am not good at mechanics. What? I'm not good at mechanics. Okay, I turn into a bumbling idiot. Even things that I should should know and things that should be easy are stupid for me. Right? I literally have a block there. I know I have a block there. I've had a block there my whole life. I've had a block there. Yep. Right? Totally get it. I, I understand that. Okay? And I don't do anything to fix that block either. Okay, well, okay. if you believe you have a choice, then that's up to you. So If you don't have a choice and that block is there, then... Now, I don't have any physical things wrong with me that means that I can, can't do it, right? So I'm not talking about someone that might be handicapped. I'm not talking about somebody that, you know, that has circumstances, right? And if I chose to, it's a choice. It's a me being responsible for me, right? If I chose to, I can learn how to do all the stuff. I could go to school. I could go and do it. I can watch YouTube videos. I have on certain occasions. It's not worked well for me, but I have. Now, I might not be good at it. I may not be ever be my, you know, it'd be like me trying to go and play basketball. I'm five foot five. I'm never going to be the best but basketball player. I, I think we are also forgetting about another really major important factor that's inherently limiting, which is time. Any, but, any, anything that i mean e even if you believe which i don't that everything can be overcome mm -hmm. okay the amount of time and energy to overcome it means stealing it away from other things it does. and so treating people like they can overcome like they can and should overcome something Never means you're should. telling someone they're wrong for how they're investing their resources never said should never said should I said they can, and then they have a choice. Yeah, and I just, I don't, I, I think I, I hear you, and you know I completely respect you. I just, yeah. my, my message to the world is it's okay that you can't, it's okay that they can't, and you have to be able to work with the, such a positive ability to can't because i because i work with so many people in trauma when you say to someone everyone has a choice about everything 
that means that the way someone's treating you is always someone else's choice. But if they can't see things and they can't do things, then how they're treating you is not their choice. So it doesn't mean a lack of love or a lack of anything. It just means it's like people say you can control your reactions. And that makes me so mad because the definition of a reaction is an uncontrolled response to stimuli. So you can't control something that you react to. Maybe, hypothetically, you might be able to eventually diffuse what causes the reaction. But when you're in a reaction, you cannot control a reaction. So one of the things I help teach is to stop reacting and start responding. Right. Get, take the breath. That's what meditation is. That's why I teach meditation. Like literally, it's not it's not for the meditation itself. It's not for clearing. You're never going to clear your freaking mind. Like you will for 30 seconds. Like monks talk about it, that 30 seconds. But it's training you to stop the, the chatter enough that you can have a breath between you and how you respond to that chatter. Okay, so and again, that technique gonna, is beautiful. You're never going. You're never going to be able to control your first thought, but you can take care. You can respond to the second one. Again, you got hit by a car. I, I'm not saying that you. It's. I, I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm not saying it's your fault. You got hit by a car. Okay, now you're responsible for that. That happened. Now what? Yeah, and my response to that is you got hit by a car. However you react until you are able to be in control is okay. And I'm going to say it's okay. And you can't be responsible until you're ready to be in a place of feeling responsible. And so it's just a different point of view. Yeah, you know, it, it just... And I totally got it. I'm not, and I'm not, again, I respect you too. This is right. A, exactly. This isn't a, I'm right. right. You're wrong. You know, it's just, right. I think that it's an interesting dichotomy, you know, to play on. You know, it's, it, there is, there are a lot of people that are, that confuse responsibility and blame. There are a lot of people that confuse integrity and morality. Um, yep. It's a yes or no. If I don't take out my garbage and I push it down and I throw something else on it, knowing that it needs to go out, it's an integrity issue, right? Now, am I a bad person because that's what happened? No, it means that in this moment I chose not to, right? And again, now there, like, are, there are consequences. Are you, are you choosing or like you said in the beginning, are we engaging unconsciously? Again, but unconscious is a choice. I, I've heard people say it, and every time I hear it, it just sounds like such hogwash. I, Not to say that I don't respect you, but I got it. I I look at I look at people, and I look at their chosen character. 
and then I see what happens unconsciously, and I don't, I, I can't reconcile the idea that it's a choice. I, I think that in individual people, they are perceptually developed enough that it becomes a choice. But like I said, some people's life is written for them, and other people are co-creators. But that I allow people that their life is written for them to stay written for them. And I acknowledge them as that. And then I acknowledge the, the co-creators as well. And I don't believe that they're all we're all inherently co-creators. I think that's simplifying identity way too much. I believe, yeah, I, 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 I totally disagree with. You. I know, I get we it. We are like a fundamental, like fundamental levels of myself. Like even hearing that, I'm like, no, we're all co we are all co-creating co this world. Now, some are and doing I just... and some are doing it unconsciously, and you get to choose. Like I, and I'm not, I'm not mad at the people that are not consciously creating their lives either, right? But they're not the people I work with. The people I, I believe people people. that some people are pinballs and other people are flippers. That's another example I use. Some people are pinballs and other people are flippers. And you cannot change a pinball into a flipper. And that the effort to try creates so much trauma in those of us that are people pleasers. So many of those people of us that are flippers, until we learn better, try and turn a pinball into a flipper and we always fail at it time and time and time again because we're not supposed to because we're supposed to let them be pinballs yeah it's not somebody that i personally uh, pin, the pinball people i might give them like hey come to this training hey have you been here have you heard this once maybe twice and I let them go. Right. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm not saying that I'm going to associate yeah. with pinballs, but I'm right. saying I believe in acknowledging they exist and that it's not their choice that they're pinballs, that it's just inherently who they were created to be. And that yeah. it's actually a positive purpose in being a pinball. No, 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 no. They chose, I believe that they chose but I also believe that we chose the life that we walk into. Right. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 all the way from the very foundation of this. Right. Probably... And, and that's, and that's where it is. And that's why we are both, we do different work. Exactly. And I, I work with the, cause it's very, your, your philosophies are very common, but I've had people work within those philosophies and experience such tremendous trauma from learning those philosophies, from these ideas and concepts, because of where that drags their perceptions. And then I've had them sit with me, and I've redirected their perceptions around the ideas and the, the philosophies that I work with, and it heals them so much to be able to acknowledge the permanent nature of other people's limitations, the fact that they don't choose to really recognize and acknowledge the fact that people are pinballs and that it's not their choice and that it's not a lack of love or lack of appreciation for you 
that they just can't operate any differently regardless of the amount of love they have for another person. But they're just limited in that way. And that allows people a grace with those individuals enough to appropriately let them go and to stop chasing them. Whereas I hear people focus on this choice philosophy and it means they continue chasing changes in others that they can't create and have and make happen. Yeah, that that's one of the first things I that's one of the first things I talk about too. You can't the only one that can change your life is you. And you're not you're not responsible. You can't control someone else. You can't make their choices for them. And if they're not making the choices that are compatible with the choices that you want to make, then it doesn't there's someone that needs to go. Right. I definitely agree with that. But I yeah. also believe that we can find people to give our power away to that can really help us. We can find people to do tasks for us, to do things for us things. that we don't have to do for ourselves. Things. Yes. Life choices, no. Who you are, no. What you're creating, you still have to choose to direct you can also choose the person to be in charge of it and not direct it after that depending on what you're talking about yeah i mean i have no yeah i definitely it just depends on who you're talking about and what right. area you're talking about right you know and it you know i had my ex used to pay all the bills Yep. Out of my account. You know what yep. I mean? For years. As a matter of fact, that's how I got rid of my ex is because he paid all the bills on my account with my with my checks. And I said that I was going to turn him in for bank fraud because he stole money out of my account. Although he paid all the bills, did all the things, all the checks, yep. and I can prove that he signed more checks than I ever did. Yep. Right? So, but it was my choice. To let him do that until it was no longer a choice that I could make. But again, you're not an example of the average person. You know, he. And so, what you can do and what you can't do is not an example of what other people can do. You're dynamic. You're way more dynamically neurodiverse than the average person. And so I work on all that. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I don't believe that. I believe you're actually neurologically born that way. I think yeah. even as a young child, your ability to pay attention was much greater than the average child's ability to pay attention. Your ability right. to assimilate cause and effect is much stronger and much greater than that's, the average child was. That's a trauma response. That was a that's literally a trauma response from growing up with alcoholic parents. And I'm not disagreeing with that fact. I'm just saying it's a truth of circumstance because your brain was trained that way as a trauma response. You have an ability other people don't have. I'm saying that if someone else chose to have to start seeing things differently and are exposed to some of the things that I've been exposed to and some of the things that I work with, that they can train that. And that part that part of it is easy. 
<laughs> I, I think foundationally it wasn't developed at a certain point. We have permanent mental atrophy, but I know we're keeping on circling back to that difference. Yeah. Um, and, and we I, started honestly, a half an hour show. Again, an hour, an hour. I, I I totally understand this. I know how this works. Unfortunately, I have a call, so I have to get right. Here. Exactly. So I totally get it. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you for being on the show, and I love I love the fact that we did have two different point of views because right, if we all thought the same. It would, and it, we all did the same work. Then we'd all be doing the same work, and if like wouldn't be very, we'd be falling all over each other. Exactly right. Right. You know, um, you you are such an amazing person. Tell people how to get a hold of you. So uh, you can. Uh, if you basically take my business name together, the clearest you with the letter at gmail.com, like it is on the little blurby thing. Um, or I actually don't mind giving out my phone number so people can actually call or text me at 860-805-0482. Again, it's 860-805-0482. Now, if somebody starts harassing me, I will reserve the right to block their number. But I really prefer to contact people contact me through phone or text rather than email. But I do receive email because most people like to contact over email. So thank you so much for having me on the show. And I hope you have an amazing call. And I'm sure we'll connect again. I, we'll see each other on Wednesday. Right. You are loved. I Thank you all for watching with us. I'm glad that you guys all got to see, you know, a different dynamic. It's a really great, it really, I thought it was a really amazing conversation. I hope that you guys found it the same. Um, it, it's interesting. I will have to do a little bit more research on neuroplasticity now um, because like my dad always taught me, I have to know the most in the room. So <laughs> there's a study I didn't, there's a study I didn't read. Yeah. So I will have to check it out. Thank you so much, right. Adam. You guys all have a great day, and I will see you all next um, next Monday at noon on the Creative Nomad Show. Thank you for watching the Creative Nomad Show. If you have any questions about this or any other episode, check out creativenomadshow.com. There is also a link at the bottom if you are an awesome creator and would like to be a guest. Everyone here at the True Awesome Network asks you to please subscribe, like, comment, and spread awesome.